you going to go? Uh, yeah, we could go this way. This go. is uh, this is Anne's favourite part. <laughs> is it? Where we go this way? I don't know. It's one of my favourites. Just Why all is the it Today, Tripe and Rasheen are out and about in the Glen River Park on Cork's north side with artists from the newly formed Glownafuka project. We started with a visit to the ruins of the old Fleischmann house close to the Dillon's Cross end of the park. Here's Julie Forrester, the founder of Glownafuka. This is, this, is, um, this is the kind of most uh, spooky part of the Well, one of the most spooky parts. <laughs> Why is it uh, spooky? <laughs> because there's a sense of there being so much happened here before. There's all of the kind of the, the gateposts of um, the Fleischmanns that were only painted white last year. Yeah. But that whiteness has got its own kind of thing going now because there's this guy called Paul the Wall. Well, we call him Paul the Wall. Uh, who used to go around tidying up the walls and um, making the glen nice. So I was in a battle with him for a while because he kept going and painting over all the, the lichens and stuff and I was going, oh no, he's painted the hatch! <laughs> and then I kind of got to like it because they have their own kind of haunting now and the hatch has now got like a marshmallow pink and, do you know, so there's a, there's a whole load of layering that at first you resist and then it becomes part of the glen as it is now, so um, yeah. But these are the, the gateposts for the Fleischmann's house, which is called the Glen House. So this yeah. is actually like Alois Fleischmann, the renowned UCC music professor. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is that where the, his family lived. Yeah. Wow. And May Fleischmann still walks the Glen and she's very open and friendly and you can talk to her anytime you see her and she'll she'll always have somebody else in tow who knows more than she does about the Glen as well and growing up here as kids and uh, getting thornines and all of that kind of um, interactions with the, with the wildlife here as well. So It's incredible that we're standing in the city right now. It really mm. feels mm. like we're in the middle of the countryside, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just amazing. And that and little sound, bridge is yeah. incredible. Their, their house is actually built on, was on the river. The Glen House, the old Glen House was actually mm. on part yeah. of the... Uh, it was a mill. It was yeah. one of the old mills. So yeah. I think it was the flax mill. Yeah. Uh, and there was another one further upstream where the Crowley's house is now. There were seven mills all together running along the river. Will we find somewhere to go and sit down and, and chat? I'm going to let the other artists introduce themselves, starting with the writer and radio producer Anne Dalton, who lives very close to the Glen River Park. I live uh, very close on Ballyhooly Road. Yes, a few minutes. And uh, Brian? I am Brian Leach. I'm a composer and a musician. And I actually live near Skibbereen in West Cork. But I grew up in the city, but on the south side. So close, but not too close. And so (laughs) how are you ending up back here for this project? You obviously feel still some kind of connection to it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm in Cork all the time because I'm working in Cork. So um, I'm up and down a lot. Yeah, it's just a nice opportunity to make music and a, a place to explore. And it's kind of a wild, natural place, which is what drew me to live in the countryside. So <laughs> to find that in the city then is like, okay. And Tom? I'm Tom Doig, um, artist, photographer, muralist, and I live on Glen Avenue. So just up at the top of the hill. Close by? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Julie? I'm an artist and I live in the Glen. Um, in one of the encroachments of the Glen, actually. So I, I'm doing my payback time here now, I think. But uh, yeah, it's a great place to live. 
So Julie, uh, you start me off. So Clown Nafuka, what is it and why is it called that? During lockdown, uh, I started a project in the Glen that was a kind of deep mapping project that was kind of blog of my own. And through that, I got to know different people like Anne and other people who, who live locally. Um, and one of those people was Gerard O'Brien, who's a writer. And he grew up in the engineer's house in the Glen. And he told me that the old name for the Glen was the Glen of the Spooks. And so then I got curious and uh, I wanted to find out a little bit more. Uh, so as far as I know, it was Glanafuka and for a long time before the mills came, people used to be afraid of coming here because it was haunted. Not in the cork way, but in, <laughs> in a way that you wanted to, <laughs> a way that you wanted to keep clear of. So there's lots of different associations with the trees here that I've been hearing loads of uh, superstitions about the alder tree and about elms. And perhaps it was because it was a wood that people were a little bit, um, a little bit cautious of uh, coming here. So you kind of put the call out for artists of whatever discipline to just all get involved and create something big around the Glen Park essentially. Yeah, it was um, because there's so much going on here and um, I just saw so much potential as well for people to um, just explore for themselves and share what they explore with other people. And so I wanted to invite people to make work that didn't leave a huge impact on the Glen that spoiled the the wildness of the place but engage somehow with something that they found interesting in the place so that's what these guys are all doing here now and tell me what you're going to be doing yeah so um my project is going to the aim really is to lift the voices of the women of the glen from past and present so basically so you know women that have walked these same paths that we're walking here today and in a different community maybe a different time so the women of the past you know just to highlight their lives and also I've got this real thing about ordinary women you know a lot of my projects be it radio theatre or whatever that I've done in the past I, I like to raise the voices of women and children because I think in Irish history particularly they often fell under the radar and certainly children's voices were you know were not heard for a long long time until kind of recently so that's one little thing that I always have you know that I want to kind of lift voices of women and this place is you know just it's a there's a great sense of community here there's a lot of history to the place a lot of heritage so I went back you know different periods of time and say Anne Fleischmann Professor Fleischmann's wife is one of those women that I want to to highlight there's a couple of women that were you know, I looked at the Dillon's Cross ambush as well and I thought, well, you know, where were the women that day? We've seen the photos of the the four or five men that were heavily involved in the, in the ambush. But, you know, what were the women doing? I know they were doing something. So um, there's still kind of a lot of families, original families living in the area that have been great with the... I've just tapped into research so far, but it's like going down great rabbit holes and just find out, find out about fantastic women. But I have this thing about dispelling the myth that there's ordinary women or even ordinary people because I think you know everyone is extraordinary in some way yeah so it's to do that for the past but also the other part of my project is just uh, you know raising a voice from the present community as well some woman in the present community you know a story of strength and survival um so another extraordinary woman from the community and then sort of a younger girl who will hopefully in the project present like a um, 
a voice for the future as well. And how are you going to, how is this going to be presented? presented? Or, yeah. yeah, so it'll be, the plan is for an audio trail from bridge to bridge. So mm. I have about maybe seven women in mind. I mean, there could be 20, I suppose, but I have to narrow it down. Yeah, so initially I'd love it, like if Glanafuka went forward with lots of different projects, maybe that we might have some launch event. And as part of that, um, I would get our installs and sound installations on the various bridges. And mm. um, so I'm basically going to write a piece of poetry or prose inspired by each woman's story. And I'll write a bit of factual information as well. So they'll all be presented on sound installations. Um, and maybe going forward for longevity on uh, just on um, QR codes, you know, that yeah. people could enjoy later then. Do you get a different sense of what the Glen is or was and how it's been a resource by looking at women's stories? I mean, like, because you mentioned like the Fleischmanns. Yeah. But, I mean, there presumably was a massive class divide. There must have been a lot of families who, very long time ago, who would have relied on this as a water source and that this was kind of the centre of a very different lifestyle, not only just sitting in the big house. Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing as well about the Fleischmanns is that maybe people consider it to be, you know, a big house, big parties and that. But, you know, they I think a lot of the time Professor Fleischmann was like sort of really putting together big compositions and orchestras. And, you know, there was a lot of hard graft and a lot of, you know, doing it on a, on a what would you say? on a shoestring as well you know I think Mae Fleischmann would tell you that herself it wasn't exactly a grand life you know even though they lived in the Glen and then you know if people say on, on the Glen Avenue where Tom one of the artists is now living you know just there as like in one period there were like four widows living on that house and one of the women that I want to feature Laura McCarthy Nana Mac they used to call her because she had a sweet shop on the in, on Glen Avenue and she opened that when she became a widow with three three children and she kept that shop until a few days before she died when she was 84. Wow. So there's some amazing stories and I think it's just you know people use the Glen they kind of came down here at picnics and so and there's a lot of original families still in the Glen who are really happy to share the history of their families and um their mothers and aunts or whoever as well the women in their family so that's been great really and you know, I, hope, I hope we can go further with all the projects and delve in more to all of their stories you know because I've only feel I just have tapped the surface yeah yeah Tom tell me so how long ago did you move to Glen Avenue first of all uh, would have been 11 years ago um, and wh- how tell me how you got involved in this and what you're thinking of doing well I suppose like Julie I spent a lot of time here during lockdown and uh, like it became a big part of my daily life and um, I would have started taking a lot of photos here tree planting I did a lot of meditation and stuff here and I remember I, I took the same photograph every day for uh, like yeah almost a year and I was just observing the color changes through the seasons and stuff so my plan is to kind of create color palettes around certain seasonal points like equinox and the two and solstice for kind of um, points in the year and create a palette around the colors of those kind of seasons and then um, to paint them onto trees to create color trees because it'll be kind of big things that will be planted in um at sort of out of time kind of so if i summer palette would be planted in the winter or something like that so it's just a kind of observation of like seasons just purely through color is it a bit of a problem so like obviously Anne's part is kind of you know i mean audio is is not um 
is not visually obtrusive into the space. Like, it's going to float around the place, isn't it? I mean, presumably there'll obviously be equipment and speakers and stuff like that, but it's not kind of pre- physically present. But given that the kind of remit of this whole project is for it to be unobtrusive and for it to not kind of like you know for it to let the glen speak for itself how are you going to work that that it's going to be kind of um complementary and visible but at the same time not like a kind of a big man-made mess inside in a you know yeah they're not going to be like the the trees are dead branches they're okay, not, it's yeah. not painting actual trees it's um yeah i mean it is an intervention in the landscape so there's no getting away from that but yeah, the colour and the pigments would be um, uh, non-toxic for mm. sure, oil-based, uh, non-acrylic. And yeah, we wouldn't be letting them biodegrade here or anything like that. So it's got to be like that's the important part is that it's as unobtrusive in terms of the toxicity. But yeah, it's. I'm just hoping that it will create kind of something maybe unusual to see in the Glen. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that answers. Yeah, it, <laughs> it sounds like the, there'll be a visitor like the rest of us. Like the trees will arrive here and land like a visitor and then they'll go away again. Yeah. So, yeah, and then they'll be in the memory. And uh, Yeah, I don't want it to kind of biodegrade or, you know, it's a sort of temporary fixture. And I think, yeah, definitely kind of a respectful engagement with mm-hmm. colour and yeah just to capture something really i suppose is this a bit of a departure for you because we're used to seeing your work in in man-made places i mean mm. you know your hoardings and you know streetscapes largely where people would be familiar with your work and on built objects so is this a bit of a departure a little bit yeah i mean it's a it's a bit of a different environment so you have to kind of bear that in mind like i normally work on kind of yeah metallic surfaces stone and it's um, yeah we I yeah I guess we need to take more care of the natural environments we're working in and that is important. So tell me what you're going to be doing. Um, so my idea is to make um, an audio production, a bit like a radio play that'll tell the story of the Glen. And what we're going to do, we're going to research back in time to see different characters and people that lived here and people things that happened here. As it seemed when I when I first got involved, there's like a lot of stories to be told, you know, and so to use that as inspiration to make music. Um, that's my plan, which it already has been. Actually, I've already composed one piece called the Glen Puka Hornpipe. Oh, lovely. So uh, it's a nice traditional style uh, dance tune. And uh, I'm going to be working with um, Damien Punch, who's a, a writer and actor. And uh, he's going to do a lot of research as well to kind of write the words of this story and put it put it together maybe a bit like a play or maybe a bit like a, a radio play or something like that. And then I'll compose music based on the inspiration from the, the nature of the place as well, which has already been a huge inspiration to me. So. You've got a great collaborator in Damien. His court yeah. ghost tours are really well scripted. So yeah, I'd met him a few times and thought he was a, he was a cool guy. And then I saw him uh, doing a gig in Maureen's, you know, the little bar there. It's a really great place. And he just had me in laughter for like 45 minutes. The whole show was just amazing. So <laughs> I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I'm delighted. He's happy to work work with me on it. But he's in um, Germany at the moment, so he couldn't be here today so uh, yeah. I, I got distracted anyway because I was just listening to like the sound of the river and then the siren in the background and it's just it's really emblematic of like we're in 
a real wild spot, but we are also still in the city. It's really cool to hear that. And you actually have your pipes with you here today. This yeah. is so amazing. Are you going to give us a tune? Uh, I could do if you want, yeah. It's <laughs> right, so if the opportunity arises. When <laughs> siren fades. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Bit yeah. of a duet there. Really it's all part of it, yeah, yeah. And is this, a, a like I was saying to Tom, bit of a de- departure from how he normally works? How about for you? Is this kind of like in line with you know other projects you've worked on um yeah it is it is in line with really like what i like to do as a composer is get ideas from a place you know and be in be in part of the place and look at the history of it so it's great opportunity it's a great opportunity to to do that yeah and it is that's kind of how i like to work is to have a place and a theme and then just let the art come out of that like you know the inspiration is definitely here so it's just about getting time to to make it happen yeah Hmm. and tom how long is your project going to last for is it going to be you mentioned the seasons is it going to be durational for the course of a year or yeah so it'll be like a year in total and i'll start collecting like collecting palettes and colors from observation during kind of solstice and then it'll just space out over the space of a year and then a year and a bit um and so like one object will be the colors will be collected and then the the object will be placed in its opposite it's complicated but (laughs) (laughs) i've got a I've tried to simplify it and then I just keep complicating it. Again. <laughs> it's like you have a, a winter solstice tree yeah. in a summer solstice environment. And yeah, because that it kind of fits my kind of collage aesthetic. I, it's like a sculpture collage in that it will be placed against a different. But I've no idea what it's going to look like or uh, it, it'll just be involved colour. It's a bit experimental, so. Cool. Uh, We'll That's see. always good to hear, though. You know, it's yeah. like it's yeah. much better than just you yeah. Know, it's not a defined decide. outcome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really like that idea about you were you were asking is it going to be intrusive on it, but I think it's not at all because it's mirroring the colours of the place itself, and it's starting a conversation about other times of year as well. So I think it's a good idea to yeah. swap the palettes that way. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah. Julie, what stage are you at overall? I mean, obviously, a really impressive array of different projects just right here mm-hmm. in this conversation. <laughs> are there other people involved too? Yeah, there's uh, six altogether. There were actually some amazing submissions. We we had to say no to some really excellent other submissions too. So there could be a lifetime of projects going on <laughs> in the Glen. But this time there are six um, and there are only proposals at this stage. Uh, we're hoping to get funding to realise these projects, but uh, we're having this kind of consultation phase now where we're talking to people and getting feedback and using that feedback to bring us on to the next, the next stage. Um, the other artists are, uh, now let me think, Eleanor Rivers, who is doing a um, participatory project uh, involving people, of course, uh, and it's called Ordinary Gifts. So yes, working with elements of nature as equally important as the human part of the part of the glen so that appears to that just way. be uh, some council workers <laughs> driving up the hill there behind yeah. that's, that's what recording outside is like sorry about that <laughs> uh, they're always more busy in the mornings as well so there's Eleanor there's uh, Annie Marr and Erin Ross Annie grew up in the glen she's actually my daughter uh, but she's spent quite a long time here as a child so she's got favourite haunts that um, have particular memories for her that I didn't even know about um, <laughs> and herself and her partner 
who's her working partner as well as her life partner, uh, do animations and stuff together. So they're making maps and they're going to have something called Spoon and Bloom instead of Doom and Gloom, where they're inviting people to really celebrate uh, where we are instead of feel all negative about it. And loads of other things as well. They've got a whole host of things that they want to do and then make an animation, an animated map that can be accessed online. Um, and then there is, who's the other one now? Um, Tony Magda uh, was an artist in Cork a while ago. Uh, actually, when I was at Backwater Studios, he was also there, but uh, that's coincidental. He's gone back to Galway now and he works in textiles with uh, his, his working partner, uh, Sinead Macken. And they have uh, an idea to bring the Glen to life by um, creating costumes based on the wildlife that's found here and do a kind of pageant through the Glen and then photographing that and having it available as kind of alternative existences in the Glen that might be available online, it might be a real live event. It's all a little bit up for grabs right now, but um, yeah, they they were totally besotted with the old photographs of uh, John Denise Moriarty and her school of fairies here. So that had a big impact. And also the pink grasshopper that one of the friends of the Glen photographed and put up on the Facebook page. So what pink of, grasshopper? There's a pink grasshopper in the Glen. And it is a very fuzzy picture. And it was uh, photographed by Isaac, Isaac Fay, who is uh, one of the rubbish collectors of the Glen and also the kingfisher of the Glen, who might be known as on, on uh, Twitter. But he's taken lots of photographs of different wildlife here, including kingfishers and lizards and all the things that other people, all the things that other people don't see, including a pink grasshopper <laughs> so <laughs> isn't it just incredible how fertile well i mean i presume you'd get this if you delved into any space if you when you go hyper local and you start looking at something from all angles like the geology the history the botany everything about it the human connections to various different things it's just like something that you could keep unfolding almost mm. infinitely is that is that something that you think brian uh, yeah i think it's quite you're right you can find inspiration anywhere but i think this place is unusual you know this, oh really like yeah well the way it's countryside but it's in the city the, like the way it's in a little valley like that it's quite secluded um that's probably why there's a lot of trees and nature has been allowed to kind of do its thing here and i guess that's unusual and um, the actual pookie as well you know and then the story <laughs> the is going back yeah that it may be haunted <laughs> then the history that it's had so many different lives as well and now it's a place for the people it's given to the people it's public park like it's a beautiful kind of story and a beautiful history to it so i think it is inspirational and um, I just wanted to say as well, actually, about maybe that's why it was inspirational for Alois Fleischmann as well, because we were talking about hard work earlier as well. And I know one of the things he did that was it blew my mind, actually, was that he put together a sort of collection of traditional Irish music looking back to uh, the 1500s all the way oh, up to, wow. the, to the 1800s. Yeah. So it was like this enormous project that he undertook to put all that together. And he had lots of people in UCC working on that and assistants as well. But like that must have been just such um, like a work to be dedicated to creating something like that. And it would be so difficult to try and do that now. But now, luckily, you know, we've got that manuscript that is a catalogue of all these things going back. So um, that will hopefully be a big inspiration for me for some of the things I'll be doing. But uh, yeah, I was very impressed. Yes, I was did. just very impressed and like have great respect for that kind of work going on you know so yeah. that's great 
and that was happening here too. So. Um, Julie, I wanted to ask you about it being kind of slightly contested ground. You mentioned uh, the Kingfisher, the Glen. The last mm. time I was up here, I was reporting on tree felling that had mm. caused upset. Mm. Um, I think it was within the past 24 hours was the last call out to a fire. Tom, did you see that fire? No, I, well, I was at the last lot of fires. Yeah, I was here just a few days before. We were planting trees in an area and then it got burned and the next day it's just gone it's very senseless yeah yeah but recently the so that was the if we go back a couple of months there had been a fire and the emergency services didn't respond and really quite a lot got mm. burned but then i think that within the past 24 hours Today, somebody yeah. reported a fire and there I was a call you smell it often because the gorse burning has a particular smell and i can smell it from my house uh, when it's burning um, but the fire station is literally right next to the Glen. <laughs> so, uh, when you drive <laughs> up on the on the link road around, then yeah. you see how close it's literally. The fire station's yeah. on one side of the road, and the but yeah. to be to be fair, I think there's there's always been a bit of a battleground between people taking care of the Glen and different people who have ownership of it. And there's been a lot of kind of uh, interaction between the youths who burn the fires and the fire brigade and stones get thrown. And, you know, there's a lot of interaction that goes on. Uh, and I guess that's part of our project, too, is to include everybody and, and just air these things and um, really celebrate what we have and see if we can share more of what's really good about the Glen and spread that from the trees seeding themselves to the to the gorse to people spending their youths here. It's, it's been a, an important part of and burning it down and, and it littering down. it. And that's been going on for, for generations, <laughs> yeah. the gorse burning. Um, like, yeah, I think there's, there shouldn't be that sort of opposition, like you're saying, between yeah. people messing around and then the authorities coming in to try and stop them. It's like, can we just all be respectful of our own place, like it belongs to everybody? And that's what I think art has the power to actually do that in all its forms, it's actually you know, try and bring people together and put them on the same page and just say, look, this is beautiful. Let's Even though you can be met with quite a lot of cynicism and resistance, you know, there, you, there's, there can be quite a lot of like, you know, fuck you kind of yeah, response if you're, yeah. you know, if people perceive what you're doing as kind of all like airy fairy or maybe kind of middle class or yeah, that there's yeah. something well, like that. Well, that's what know? I mean. I suppose it shouldn't be that. It yeah. should be really something that just speaks to a, a human thing. You know what I mean? I think there's, that would be a better approach to it. There's another person who comes to Glen and, and he does he does a lot of cleaning up just by himself and he put up a swing in the oak tree on the, the high ground um, where the Gouldings plant used to be and that has been really taken over by everybody who goes up and swings on the swing and hangs out at that place and it's become quite a little hub in the Glen where it wasn't before so exactly. you know these things these things kind of turn over all I the think time. I think it does happen when you trust people with something like that then you realize they've been given respect and then they don't destroy it yeah. you know whereas if you put up a fence they think they're not respected and they do try and destroy it so mm -hmm. definitely doing them something nice and giving nice things to people even if they're you know, well, it's like the back. attitude of, you know, uh, there are winos sleeping on the benches, so we'll take all the benches away. <laughs> you yeah, know, that kind exactly. of, that it's idea of you keep restricting and yeah, keep taking it all back until there's totally no resource wrong. there. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I was actually just up at Mayfield Library as well, and I was uh, working for Bench Space. I was part of the team that put in the parklet up there. Oh, lovely. And people were totally like, that's not going to work. People are going to burn this down. It's going to get destroyed. And actually, it turns out this is the whole point of the architecture plan behind those parklets is that no, when you give people 
people that respect and you put pe- things, nice things into people's community, they actually do not destroy them because they feel proud of their community then. Mm. And that works. That's true. It's, yeah. it's looking great up there. So, And do you have a sense of that? Like this kind of like, are you an optimist that that will work? <laughs> I'm a total optimist. I'm a totally glass half full person. Yeah. Like, you know, I totally am. And even just there when you were talking, you know, what resonated with me really was that, you know, sometimes it's about attitudes and it's about coverage and publicity and what gets out there and the more subtler things that are happening and really positive things maybe don't get that voice as like they like the other things get. So like things that are happening kind of might be a bit overt. So they, you know, they get out there, the voices get out there. But in our general lives, I think the same things happen, you know, the same kind of interactions and struggles, but more on a more subtle level. And actually, that can be just as damaging, yeah. I think, you know, sort of for an individual as well. So I think we've just got to be, you know, respectful of all the different interactions, as we say. And just, um, you know, even I was thinking when you were talking as well, there's a lovely island down there that uh, my, my kids are teens now. But when they were younger, we kind of used to wade across the water to get into the little island. And it was a, a place for teens as well, you know, kind of rites of passage or bunking from school as well. So one time when I went there, my kids, when they were four and six or something, found like 20 euro note that was obviously left behind by some teens or whatever, you know, and they were like, they, they were ecstatic. And we went downtown and had coffees and cakes. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, it's just uh, you kind of live. I, I'm very much a believer in sort of making place your, your own space as well, because even when I moved here first, people used to say, oh, you know, are you going down the Glen sort of thing? I would say, yeah, but, you know. I lived in London, I lived in Tottenham for years. You just have to be a bit savvy. You just go around, you have a bit of, you know, be a bit streetwise, wherever you go. It's mm. it's essential, you know, but at the same time, make a place yours as well and and give and take from it, you know, yeah. uh, take some of the good things and give some of the good things as well. And I think it resonates. I think it has r- that ripple effect. I'm very positive, <laughs> real optimist. Yeah. Tom, you've lived here for, for a longish time now. And you mentioned lockdown, actually a couple of you did. And I'm just wondering if you think that this project is timely because there's a shift in, you know, there seem there does just seem to be a kind of a a shift in how people are about their local environment at the moment. Yeah, I think I I was only really when we're maybe the second lockdown, I think I just started to realize how important this place was to me just to go within my two kilometers and just have some nature right there. And it was really massively, it got a lot of love during that time, I think the Glen and it was really heavily used. I wouldn't say heavily, but people were just out in it every day and the kind of benefits for people's mental health and physical health and everything you just can't underestimate it and I think um, yeah if you're an artist you need to engage with your environment so I think that's that was a massive part of it just like my focus really became this area or I think for a lot of other people as well yeah it's incredible how many artists are actually living (laughs) around here as well isn't it like I mean Because it's kind of the park for most of the north side of the city from, you know, St. Luke's out to Bally Valan to like, it's quite a big catchment area around it, isn't it? Really down to Blackpool as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah and Mayfield as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about water quality here? When I was a kid, it was disgusting. It was completely deoxygenated. It was basically like 
ponds of sludge like yeah. you, and you just mentioned your kids wading across <laughs> we were not allowed near you know you're we like and it stank it actually yeah. smelled really yeah. bad the funniest thing i ever saw was just down at the other end i can't remember it was would have been like late 90s or something that they didn't just throw rubbish in there they threw the actual bin in there there was oh, a, Jesus. a bin yeah. with a brusker you know sign on it yeah. actually in the river which is kind of i thought it was quite kind of funny really in a way yeah yeah but that, so that's like litter but at the same time there's been this problem with um sewage and effluent there and, is a sewer yeah. pipe that runs along the glen uh, that serves the side of the city so it runs parallel to the river so the river is beside a sewer pipe <laughs> but um we did the kick sampling uh, a, a couple of times with Catherine Seal from uh, Law Pro, the local authority water program, and we found that it was moderate, surprisingly, and not really unhealthy. Uh, but there are concerns because it's quite kind of silted up with building works, and also from laundry detergent and household effluent just going into the storm drains. And you can smell the smell of the laundry detergent off the river most of the time. I smelt it today already. Um, so it is it is really a lot of the waterways are used as open open sewers. And we're trying to really get a handle on that as well here. There's a little bird called the dipper that is one of our iconic birds. And the, we're really glad to see it here because it's one of the indications of good water quality because it actually goes under the water and walks on the the riverbed to find its, its its food source so that's a really good sign as well an optimistic sign so tell me what's going to happen now you haven't all completed what you're doing you're still in the what is it exploratory phase or the production phase or the there's no production phase yet no waiting for funding <laughs> phase. <laughs> We're, this okay, is the yeah. first pitch at funding so this is the proposal phase and the next phase is to actually put these proposals to various funders and say can we do this that's why tom's proposal is 2023 for the solstices in his in his proposal so, wow so uh, it's a pretty long term thing then it's a bit of a commitment no? <laughs> a glass half is all I can say to that. Well, no, but I, I mean, I think it's. It, I mean, it's been great uh, just to explore and kind of get seeds for the different projects. I think in this phase, and just to be able to, you know, get get some bit of funding just to do that, because often I think in this phase of projects, you're kind of doing it all yourself, really you know, putting it all together before it ever gets to that stage. So it just kind of allows you that freedom to kind of explore a bit and still get paid something as an artist, which is, you know, very important for all of us. But the, I think the trouble now is definitely with mine, with mine, I know I just want to do it now, you know, as well. So, but I think that's a good thing because you, you kind of find, you kind of find ways of doing it, I think. Yeah. And, and it's been great. Like Julie's been fantastic. The, the whole project and just you know getting this exhibition now in the libraries and the city hall and just getting that engagement and getting getting it out there really beyond a few of us talking to yeah. each other about it in the park you know so it's a great um platform to get the Glen River Park out there and yeah I, th yeah I think it's incredible what Julie did to actually get some initial funding a small amount to even get the proposals together so fair play to Julie for doing that because it just shows <laughs> what can happen when you get a little bit of money to do something and the ideas become even much bigger than that, you know, and then 
then the idea is to get you know more more funding to do a bigger job and that probably goes on forever it's like the long term 2023 is nothing like this goes on forever really like so yeah it's good yeah uh, it could be the start of any one of a number of incredible things i mean it could be the start of there being some kind of arts center based here or it could be you know like who who knows where this could go this could still be running in Mm. 20 years time it seems like a bit of a no-brainer in terms of funding because it's participatory because it's highlighting you know ecology and you know i mean there seems to be quite a lot there julie just for listeners just tell us what's happening what people can do now in the libraries and the atrium in city hall at the moment so it's in mayfield library and in blackpool library and in the atrium in city hall on friday there's going to be a grand launch where all the artists will be there it's the only time when all of the artists will be present to introduce their proposals to people so please come along that's three o'clock this friday the 24th of june in the atrium city hall and anybody who doesn't go to that there's uh, an event in mayfield library at 11 in the morning and i think anne is presenting at that that's saturday and magna and macken i think are presenting there brian and tom are presenting in blackpool at three o'clock um on saturday the 25th so this friday and this saturday you can come and hear the artists and see their work and people can also get in touch with you online if they want to like is, is feedback well you kind of mentioned absolutely yes we really want feedback because that's going to help us in our next stage so good bad ugly indifferent please give us your feedback there are books at all of the venues you can contact us through the website which is glanafuka.wordpress.com i won't spell it but you can find it at the exhibitions Uh, we have an instagram as well so various things are going up on that yeah and then all the artists information you can get through to them through their various contacts through the website as well Brilliant. Fantastic. Well done. God, this is going to be absolutely incredible. I just have one last question and that's, Brian, will you play something? Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's a good idea, isn't it? Is, is, yeah. that, is that okay? It's not far anyway, it's just the next So tell me about the piping at the well. Uh, well, that's what I wanted to do initially, was come in here and just play music and find a, a spot to sit. Playing the Illin pipes, you need to sit down. So I had the idea to find the kind of piper's rock somewhere where there'd just be somewhere nice to sit. And uh, yeah, I came up here for a couple of weeks and just played and found a couple of places to sit and managed to talk to people because of course when people walk past you sometimes they say what the hell's going on here they don't see that every day so i actually got a few stories and inspirational things just already from from doing that and just being here making music and uh, yeah it's nice so i think to have a place where maybe there was like a little trad session every week or something like that to try and invigorate the place and then you could have the the piper's rock would just be a place where where there's somewhere to sit to play music i think that's a really good idea yeah um but it's kind of separate but it might it might come out of this as well yeah oh here we are at the well Yeah. kids used to actually drink from there when uh, they were younger but uh, they survived it anyway from this it's it's it is natural spring as well they tell me i think it's good and i've seen people we've both tested it bottle it have you (laughs) i just said i actually drank from that last time yeah yeah
This is my other favourite place, actually. Flight and place in this place. Yeah, I like it. It used here. to be a, the orchard of the engineer's house. Oh, really. yeah, it's just so lovely. We're going to yeah. get apples this year. Yeah, look, the apples. Oh, yeah. So, oh, wow. And it's, it's survived. It's completely keeled over. And um, it, somehow it's managed to stay alive. And there's one, two, three, four. There's more apples this year than last year. Yeah. Six. to Tripe and Rasheen's Arts and Culture podcast with me, Ellie O'Byrne. We're a reader-supported, ad-free local news service. And if you like what we do here at Tripe and Rasheen, and you can afford to, you should subscribe for just €8 per month. That's less than the price of a coffee per week for news, features and arts from Cork City and County. Thanks for listening. I'll leave you back in the Glen with Brian.